Hello, I'm Tim Worthington, and this is an extra bit of summer fun for listeners to look unfamiliar. I used to do a podcast with Ben Baker and Phil Catterall, who you might have heard on Looks Unfamiliar, and in fact you might have heard the Christmas extra that I put out with bits from our old Christmas podcast. But this is actually a summer one, because one year we went completely mad and tried to do every morning, well, every weekday morning, a kind of improvised sort of five, ten minute lifestyle hobbies and interest guide. Well, it's nothing of the sort really, but that's how we promoted it. It was based on things like whack a day and why don't you in fact we called it why won't you and we talked just generally about things that we associated with the summer sometimes it was really funny sometimes it fell apart but i don't think many people heard it because we didn't make it available for that long and in fact going back through them i'm not sure that i listened to all of them anyway here's some highlights from it and if you're looking to read on the beach when you're on holiday Try Ben's new book, Kill Your Television, which is all about his experiences as a television watcher growing up and stuff that he watches now, I suppose. You can find more details of that at benbaker.ecwid.com. In the meantime, the sun's out, so why aren't you, as Hazel O'Connor wants to put it in the opening song from Get Set for Summer. Summer holiday television. Book first this. Who remembers book first this? I remember the title of it, and I remember it being said a lot over summer holidays, but I don't remember what it consisted of. Book first this was the BBC sort of late 80s branding for summer holidays programming, basically. There was Andy Crane and a man. Uh, <laughs> and Shabon Marr, who was the singer in the River City People. Simon Parkin would have taken over later on. What was the point of Simon Parkin? He took over for things later on. And I imagine he had a show on uh, Radio 5 Live at some point. No, no. Maybe Radio BBC Home Counties. I'm thinking of Mark Curry. That's who I'm thinking of. Well, sometimes we all think about Mark Curry. <laughs> We're alone or lonely. The Ginger Prince of Blue Peter who pulled that Lego man's head off once. <laughs> I think it's important to remember that we're, it's that Mark Curry and not the other Mark Curry. The one off hanging with Mr. Cooper. Was he called Mark Curry? He was. Sounds like another summer holiday <laughs> staple. Well, like standard but first this programming, it'd start with something like Pink Panther or Heathcliff. Oh, those can both piss off. If anyone doesn't remember Heathcliff, why don't you just, just keep it that way because it's a much better idea. Well, imagine... Why don't you imagine a cat until you're really sort of bored, rigid and want to slash your wrists and that's Heathcliff. It's a ginger cat that likes food. Why don't you imagine that you've seen Garfield and you think that's good, so you draw it slightly differently and give it a different name, and that's it, you're done. That's that's Heathcliff. Yeah, it was Heathcliff and the Cadillac cat, so he had some wacky sidekicks, including one who always talked in rap. That's not rap, what was that? Well, that's the kind of thing he did. <laughs> and there was also those skeletons that were only in the end credits and never in the actual cartoon. That's funny bones, I think you're thinking of. What Tim actually had was a, a tape of Heathcliff with a bit of Jason and the Argonauts stuck at the end. <laughs> Well, that is another summer holiday staple. We might get to that in, in a later show. So there is a bit of book first this out on DVD, which is they did the, when Sylvester McCoy took over as Doctor Who, they did a behind the scenes feature on the making of Delta and the Bannerman. And that's on the DVD of that with like Ken Dodd going, Oh, my character's very much a job's worth. You can't park there, sir. It's more than my job's worth. <laughs> Like, obviously thinking he's really funny, and McCoy going, I used to watch Star Trek, he used to write letters to the rock that was in every scene. 
Wolverine. Hello, Rock, I'm your fan. I'm like, it's just that, basically. <laughs> you don't need to buy the DVD now. Over on ITV, whilst, uh, but first this was sort of, if I don't even think it started it because Breakfast Time just took its merry time to actually finish. But you'd have Wackaday at 8.55, usually. That'd be the traditional starting time of a programme for some reason. <laughs> and Timmy Mallet, a much maligned human being, but is it justified? Not really. I think the main problem was it, when he released Itsy Bitsy Teeny Weeny Polkadot Bikini. Oh, yeah. That gave people a sort of angle then. Yeah, there was, there was good reason to hate that at that point. But I remember not hating it because I was a child. Well, no, I found it quite tedious, as I recall. I found it very tedious. <laughs> Especially the follow-up, seven little girls sitting at whatever it is. Hugging and kissing with Fred. A predecessor of Wackaday, Rat on the Road. Yeah, Rat on the Road. It, it, it's hard to remember because how shit a roller rat could be, how big he was. It did have a really big impact. I actually saw they filmed one in Liverpool at the Garden Festival that was on that year. And there were massive crowds watching, you know, just watching these puppets just in front of some flowers david claridge talking to his own hands he did all the voices so live that must have been quite bizarre there is actually an outtake that was occasionally on it'll be all right on the night where kevin said hello i'm rolling oh i'm not rolling am i but the uh, weird thing that- about rat is when he first appeared he was a bit more like i suppose somebody like frank sidebottom or john shuttleworth because there was this whole universe around rolling rat at that point that he inhabited errol was off screen originally wasn't he when he ran vt you know it had been thought of to that extent to have like off-screen helpers and so on and then it rapidly became just tedious and then there was <laughs> tales of the road and sherlock holmes <laughs> we're not going into ever <laughs> <laughs> phil did you have any special summer holidays as a child there was an awful lot of going to france i remember that quite distinctly she sound appalled by that no no i'm trying to think think back and i think it was every other holiday we ended up going to france uh, until we ran out of money and then we stayed at home no more giant breads for us <laughs> <laughs> just regular sized bread for the rest of the <laughs> Did you ever buy any flick combs and get them confiscated on <laughs> We did do, actually do that. We did a, a when I was in year seven, so it would have been what, 13, 12? We did a school trip. It wasn't an exchange trip, which is why I went, because I didn't mm. like the idea of someone coming back and staying in my house. Where was it? Etreta? A place it's in. Ecuador! Um, it was close <laughs> to that. We did buy all sorts of like rubbish at the hypermarket on the way back i bought a load of bottles of coke because i was thirsty i didn't realize until i got on the bus that they weren't screw top they needed a, like an actual bottle opener <laughs> and i tried to open them on one of the windows and <laughs> i ended up just spraying coke across me and like the four people on the same row as me that's why they called you old corky catarol <laughs> no that, that that was for other reasons <laughs> Certainly up to about 11 or so, we always went to Blackpool. I don't know if it's every time, but certainly Keithley sort of a, had a period where everyone seemed to go on holiday, and, and it was the second week in September. That's when everyone went, because it was slightly cheaper, I suspect. It was just enough out of the August season to be affordable. So we always used to go uh, to, to a hotel in Blackpool. It's the same one for years and years. Although apparently, I went to Benidorm three times. The first time, I was about three months old or something. So obviously, uh, big memories mm. of duty-free. <laughs> I remember the second time we went to Benidorm, I would have been about ten. 
maybe 11. And Street Fighter 2 was a massive thing at the time, and there was lots of these in various cafes and stuff like that. And it was always like, I think that's where I spent pretty much all of my whole day money on. And I remember playing it, and some French kids came up behind and they were sort of like laughing or whatever at what my, I don't know, my, my Hadouken qualities. <laughs> I'd like to see them win at Jack and the Beanstalk on the ZX Spectrum. I'd like to see anyone win at Jack and the Beanstalk on the ZX Spectrum. <laughs> well, I remember turning around loudly and shouting, Tizefu! And they looked physically appalled. <laughs> around the sort of time they were trying to really merchandise Grange Hill with the album and the computer game and so on they did the summer special where it was just like loads of photo stories of them out oh, of school in cities magazine. I thought you meant like a like one where they all go to oh, no, it was a, it was a magazine the best thing about it was on on the back it had a poster of Gonch, Robbie and Trev as in Trevor Cleaver but somehow contrived to spell it true T-R-E-W <laughs> <laughs> Good old trues. <laughs> was there a Grange Hill computer game? How yeah. And it ended if you talked to the drug pusher. A knock-off back to school with extra just say no. <laughs> Less controversial would be Wimbledon, because I haven't ever watched any of it particularly. It's nice that it exists, which is just the most... BBC thing in the world. Just like, well, uh, Wimbledon, it's very warm and people are getting pissed up, uh, ready to shout at Ivan Lendl. <laughs> or filling name here. But are either you tennis people? No. Not at all, really. No, I mean, I used to watch the theme music and then. Which is super. Then, then go and try and pick up girls playing tennis in a local <laughs> This is the worst running theme that we've ever had to a podcast. What? Sport? No. A friend of ours, uh, Mr. Ian Greaves, I believe, found this radioactive clip, which is actually quite a rarity because radioactive, very popular. Radio 4 sketch show with Angus Dayton. Best, if you're listening to this, you know who's in Radioactive, I suspect. And he found this weird bit of pre-Radioactive, sort of a, a live link-up. So uh, that was quite uh, nice. You've just reminded me that one summer holiday we did go to Blackpool and I saw Keith Harris and Orville live. Ooh, now there's one. Uh, best worst act you saw live uh, on a holiday. I saw Frank Carson and the Grumbleweeds at the same time. Now I have to say, Frank Carson was brilliant. He he was uh, God rest his soul a a comedian of the old school, uh, but he was he was good. He was fast. He was a proper comic. Uh, and he wasn't a massive racist, which helped. (laughs) (laughs) Unlike another holiday uh, where Jim Bowen was the special guest and he came on and he sort of got some people out the audience to do a bullseye like thing but he did not want to be there and bullseye was still on television so he still had a career of sorts <laughs> he was doing this gig for the money clearly there was no bully to diffuse the situation walking on with a dictionary across the street <laughs> oh i can only really recall terrible cabaret acts in you know holiday camps and so on and uh, there's one called the eddie laver show band did the theme from ghostbusters <laughs> And insisted there was a dance. To, there was an official dance to the Ghostbusters theme. I think. I think the finest moment of a cabaret on holiday was where the this sort of man and two sort of dolly birds came out and did a really horrible, cheesy summer summertime special type act. This would have been about 1990, and my dad said, "Oh, he used to be Stutz Bearcats." <laughs> And I look around, as you're probably now thinking, what the fucking hell? 
Uh, but apparently, a minor hit with the theme from We'll Meet Again. <laughs> Heidi, hi! No. I said Heidi, hi! No. no. Oh, come on! <laughs> Heidi, hi! No. Still no. Bastards. Do you know what the good thing about Heidi, hi is? No. It's not you rang the Lord. That's it. <laughs> that didn't have a, a hit single spin-off. No, oh. the theme song was by Bob Monkhouse, wasn't it? For you, oh yes, yeah. Oh yeah, it was actually. <laughs> you were quite correct. Uh, but we had no time for you, Rangmalad. That's very much a winter. And what about Oh Doctor Beaching? What about Oh Doctor Beaching? <laughs> what about it? <laughs> Sorry, I get quite aggressive. No to anything related to Heidi High. That's it's a strange thing to remember. Heidi High was huge. Yeah, like yeah. a lot of uh, Croft and Perry stuff, obviously, like massive and. I could never work out why anything like that. It's very broad, but, I mean, there's broad, and then there's taking up, you know, most of the British Isles. There's broad and there's Paul Shane, is what you're saying. Paul Shane did get broader. I will uh, I will fully <laughs> test. I can't understand how the man manages to play the same character in absolutely everything he's ever in. There's character acting and there's pushing it, frankly. He never did any drug pushing. I'm fairly <laughs> sure that wasn't him at the end of the game. It wasn't in the Grange Hill game. <laughs> Oh, I would love it if it was Paul Shane that gave oh. Zabo his drugs. But but let's... Uh, what, dressed as a schoolboy? Yeah. <laughs> but with a quiff. Obviously, yeah, because I don't think I realised as a kid, like uh, like Happy Days, like it it was a, an archive piece. Is it set in the 50s, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> Post-Second World War, sort of holiday camp boom. Uh, I just thought that's what people did on holiday. <laughs> Which sounds positively ghastly. The whole getting up at a certain time to eat chalet. Did you do chalets at any point? No, we we stayed at a chalet a couple of times in Sutton on Sea, but it wasn't that sort of a fenced-in holiday camp <laughs> type thing. It wasn't any Nazi patrollers or anything going up or down. To be honest, the, near the resort that we stayed at, there was a fenced-in holiday camp, and we did refer to it as the concentration camp when we drove past it. It, had, it had big barbed wire fences around it, and these, li- these low, <laughs> like, prefabricated hut-type buildings. And it's like, really? Why are you going to want to stay there? That doesn't look like a good place to stay. <laughs> they will say, for you, filthy holiday is over. <laughs> California fever. Which had no memory of whatsoever. What was California Fever? I think if you're a certain age, you remember it, because the, the BBC used to put it on in the holidays. Though, oddly, I remember it more from the Christmas holidays and summer ones. But it was like this, you know, half drama, half comedy about, like, Californian teens that hung out on the beach. And it was quite racy for a programme that was on in. It uh, sounds like it was very much the Saved by the Bell of its time. No, no, it was more <laughs> like a kind of... It was like a funny Beverly Hills 90210, but uncut. That's- I'll bring up their Beverly Hills 90210. <laughs> <laughs> or I will be removed from the show. <laughs> the Radio 1 Roadshow. Sorry, Radio 1. <laughs> did either of you get to a Radio 1 Roadshow? I did once, 1988, Barry Island with Simon Mayo. That is all of my hopes and dreams. <laughs> so I never got to see a Radio 1 Roadshow because I live sort of nowhere near a beach, <laughs> it would be fair to say. I think Blackpool would be the closest, and, you know, Blackpool is an acquired taste. So I, I liked the Radio 1 Roadshow, though. I liked the idea of it. I remember being, you know, in the car or whatever, you're going somewhere and it being on, thinking, that sounds fun. Smiley Miley's on an elephant. 
brilliant. Well, yeah, I, I do think they've lost something by not having things like that now, because it's always just, you know, festivals with people sort yeah. of doing links with Jesus. But the difference was in those days, is you have the festivals to like, you know, John Peel and Janice Long, who would be funny between the acts. Yeah. <laughs> And now they just go, and that was sounds like you can buy their new record now from iTunes, and now now here's someone else. Yeah. Do you know, Tim, you've not used the word fantastic or random nearly often enough Is to that qualify really? as a Radio 1 DJ. Yeah, and also, there's not a lot of stunts. I mean, Simon Bates went around the world and did a, a, a live radio show every day from wherever he was in the world. Went down the coal mine with John Peel as well. <laughs> <laughs> That's an old blues traditional number you don't hear very often. <laughs> Phil, did you get to see anything? Well, no. Living in um, Lincolnshire, there wasn't really any coastline. Not any local radio it. ones? Right. Oh, any local ones? Um, no. Because the, the nearest one at the time would have been Nottingham, which would have been Trent FM, which has now been G-capped to death and is... It's called something incredibly bland, but no, I don't. I don't recall ever getting to one of those. Yeah, that's it. Uh, I, uh, uh, I saw a few. Uh, I recall Howard House having big sort of local radio Leeds type events, but rewind there for a second. Radio Leeds did a day about Hardwick House. Not Hardwick House. First of all, I thought you said Cools Out rather than Schools Out, and that was Phil Cools' like book. Stop. I'm sorry, you keep doing it because I bought it in a charity shop. Ruining it. I bought Cools Out in a charity shop for about forty pence. (laughs) Did you buy any Citrus Spring? No. To be fair, I bought the book in like 2009, so I suspect if Citrus Spring had been there as well, it would have been fairly rank. (laughs) Why don't you fuck off? I mean, why don't you? The TV program. I can't. I don't know when it finished. It must have been sort of mid nineties. Yeah, because Russell T Davis was producing it towards the end, wasn't he? Do you think right. anyone doesn't know what it is who's listening? Or? Uh, well, it's entirely possible if it hasn't been on for like nearly twenty years. Well, it was basically it was kind of um, you know when the BBC used to have to produce a lot of regional programming. There was sort of like one way round. It was it was just a magazine show for children, sort of demonstrating things you could do when you know there was no more TV after the morning. It was a a lot of, you know, they showed you how to make things, how to cook things, and then did terrible jokes in between. Yeah. And I mean terrible. I, I thought maybe my memory was distorted, but those clips you found, oh my yeah. God. People holding tennis balls through a hatch, making the tennis balls talk. <laughs> did you ever make anything from it, Phil? Did you ever watch it for a start? Well, I, d- I did watch it. I, I remember the the later stuff a lot better um, which was probably the Russell T Davis stuff I remember one series in particular that they made a big thing that people kept sending them in recipes for Rice Krispie Cakes for some reason, they got cupboards and cupboards entirely jammed full of these <laughs> recipes for Rice Krispie Cakes It was. It, I'm guessing this was Russell T Davis at this point, because this was just too bizarre to have been anyone else and then at the end of one of the series they were running out of things to do, so one of them opened one of the cupboards and just piles and piles of these recipes came raining <laughs> down on them, um, which they then finally made as the last thing that they did on the series that year. So, well, I've made Rice Krispie Cakes, so that counts, I suppose. The laziest thing in the world as well. <laughs> Why don't you need some chocolates and Rice Krispies? And... <laughs> that was basically what it was. I think it took about 30 seconds at the end of an episode. This, that, together, ends. Oh, God, that's brilliant. <laughs> Who remembers Summer 95? I'd, it was quite an important summer for me. Uh, it was the first summer I music became my life, definitely. And luckily, my sort of, you know, it's sort of 14, 15, it, it was Britpop, the boom. Although you actually look back at a chart from 
this week in 1995. There's about four indie records in it. One of them's my cast, but so that doesn't count. Uh, someone 95. What what does that conjure up for you two? Pretty much, you know the blur blur, blur oasis. Bloasis. Bloasis. Bloasis period and Britpop now. But yeah, I think kind of everyone's experience of summer 95 is the same though. You wouldn't know it from that advert for 100% summer 95. <laughs> What? He goes, Shabba, it's brilliant. And it was before everyone was saying the Shabba. Out here, brothers, they were like the sound of actual Summer 95. No, no, there was man. one worst for Summer Chart Party from 1990. Wow. And I sent you the track list and you were open mouth. Yeah. It was just what's been in the charts recently that's got... There's no summer. summer. Yeah, there's no <laughs> summer element whatsoever. <laughs> See, I think that is one of the big summery things. You have albums that you associate with certain summers, and definitely in 1995, if your summer was, was soundtracked by Summer 95, I can only fucking apologise. <laughs> now that's why I call music the summer album. I didn't, no. It came I, out in 1986. I, I seem to recall reading that it's the only time the Beatles ever appeared on a noun. Uh, is it Here Comes the Sun? And All You Need Is Love as well. Oh, it's okay. quite a good compilation, but obviously nobody bought it. I think they thought because the Christmas one had sold really well, they thought, oh, a summer one will. And then, and so now it's like 30 quid on eBay if you want to cash in. Oh, wow. So it's not really like, there's not a definitive handful of summer songs that do it the same as Christmas songs. No, no. And also, there's some on there that, you know, have kind of been forgotten about over the years, like Island Girl by Elton John. I can't even remember how that goes. He did put that on his last best of. Did he? Yeah, he did. I seem to recall he released about four best ofs in <laughs> in about a year. Phil, what did you remember from Summer 95? To be fair, probably the same sort of stuff. So I would have been 16. So, yeah, that, that's probably about it. I didn't get out a lot in the summer. I remember SFX magazine coming out around then. Jonathan Ross having a beard. <laughs> And I remember the two things I'd seen the most that summer were Batman Forever. If you're going to do the big camp Batman version, that works as that. And Judge Dredd, which really wasn't okay. Many times Billing says, with Stew Pot in the southwest, having safely arrived in Swanage on Friday. Oh, thank God. It's safe. In these days, it'll be on Twitter. I have arrived safely in Swanage. Hashtag, where the fuck is Swanage? <laughs> And on the August bank holiday, we've got a special programme which is called Insight, looking at the electric guitar. Big Jim Sullivan and some of the world's other leading guitarists look at the electric guitar through more than 20 years of rock. This look at a guitar. It's not very good radio, but they do look at it. From 1983, a feature on the Roadshow, which says, Well, it's Habitat come to the BBC. It's like 20th Century Fox all in colour, says DJ Simon Bates of the New Look Roadshow. <laughs> wow, cheers, Simes. <laughs> Simon says the old one was a bit like an eeling comedy. There were lots of bits of string and goodwill holding it together. But this one makes you feel guilty of having muddy boots on. And the, the best bit, Simon has never been to Northern Ireland before, but he's looking forward to to it. Normally five or six thousand people turn up to a roadshow in mainland Britain, but we don't know what to expect in Northern Ireland. It might just be a dog. <laughs> July 1989, the Grumbleweeds had a summer special. Yay! The, the, it's a time for the Grumbleweeds to celebrate their 100th radio show. What? But this time the Grumbles have been weeded out. Last year, two of the Northern Comedy Group's founders left to pursue solo careers. The Slim Down Threesome, How did Rob, that work out? Morris and Graham, <laughs> are returning to the quick gag format of their earlier shows. What, 
why? What did they have after that? The slow gag ones. Well, <laughs> right, Seth. We were beginning Whoa. to get rather old-fashioned, so now it's back to comedy with music. What do yeah. you call a man with a spade on his head? <laughs> Do you remember when they had those series of arcs? <laughs> yeah, yeah, do you remember uh, when some of them went back to 1975 and stayed on the island and some of them escaped? That was the best series of the Crumbleweeds. <laughs> the one after that, rubbish. If, if the Crumbleweeds had been lost, there would have been proper answers in it. No, there would have been that one who looks a bit like one of the Bee Gees looking a bit like one of the Bee Gees. No, Translate the hieroglyphics on the wheel, and it's would have said, Whoa, whoa, we are the Grumbleweeds. <laughs> so, what indicated summer was over for you? I think I recall when when back to school sales started appearing because they used to appear at the end of summer rather than yeah. as soon as the kids got off school. When the imported serials that the BBC used to put on in the mornings that yeah. were about a million episodes each came to an end. Yeah. When they <laughs> finally got to the final episode, you knew it was school soon. <laughs> because I went to school in, in Leicestershire, their school term was slightly different to everyone else's. And I, I frequently remember missing the last episode or so of those serials because... We went back. To, we we started a week earlier than everyone else, and we went back a week before everyone else. Really? So, I never found out what happened to Robinson Crusoe. No, <laughs> he died. <laughs> Let's just assume in all of he them. He toasted the home guard and then fell through the bar. <laughs> actually, Dale didn't fall through the bar in the last episode. Well, he probably did. He should have done, and that's the most important thing. He should have done. <laughs> And that's it. That's summer for you. And hopefully you've learned a lot about gravel. People who played tennis in Liverpool in the late 80s. And, of course, where the grumbleweeds were at every possible occasion. (laughs) (laughs) Hopefully you've had a wonderful summer. I think we should end with a nice rendition of So Limbo. (laughs) Is Phil doing a keyboard solo, but on an actual typing keyboard? No, no, I'm bashing a pen against my desk. Phil, have you ever been eaten by a shark? No. Sounds like it's happening right now. It's uh, Superman by Black Lace. Yeah, it's good. This. I like this. I was as a kid. Yeah. Oh, slightly different version. Might be longer. Oh, 12 inch makes mm. what like uh, Heaven 17 and yeah. uh, uh, New Order 17. Well, hands on hips and go for a walk. <laughs> My balance is going to be completely out there, Black Lace spray. Mister. Spray? What does he mean, spray? I don't know. I'm not a gulp. Go for a dive. I'm not a dive. I just worked it out, Daryl. He's being rude. What he's talking about. We're a <laughs> <laughs> Can we listen to this? I don't know. Oh, he's listening to us. What's he going to say next? Kiss. Okay. Um, well, uh, that's uh, that's all we need for uh, that song. Um, 